Hi, guys, and welcome to the Healthified Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McLaughlin, holistic health coach, writer, and wellness entrepreneur who has for over 15 years delved deeply into my passions of nutrition and health. Before we get started, this episode of Healthified is brought to you by Gratified, a natural foods company I launched in order to make a more impactful change in the packaged food space. I am so happy to announce that our crowd-pleasing, grain-free Gratified bar is now available. The story behind this bar is one that could probably take up a full episode, so just know that it is made with nut seeds, superfoods, easy to digest egg white protein baked with coconut oil and sweetened with some coconut nectar and monk fruit. It is my new favorite thing and I'm so excited to share it with you. We also have our Empower Bar Baking Mixes, which come in both original and cacao and provides you the ability to make your own healthy nutrition bars at home. It's super easy and convenient with minimal ingredients, but it does so much more from cookies to cakes to pie crust, breads, muffins, you name it. I have all Empower Bar Baking Mix recipes on my online magazine, healthified.com. And for a discount off of any of my Gratified products, visit gratified.com and use the promo code healthified at checkout. Also, if you are enjoying listening to this podcast, I would be so grateful if you could scroll down and submit a rating or review. Five stars is awesome and amazing and very much appreciated. But of course, honest feedback is also welcome. Today's guest is registered dietitian and integrative health and wellness coach, Lisa Smith. Lisa began pursuing her passion to help others discover healing and wellness after graduating from Indiana University of Pennsylvania with two master's degrees in human biology and nutrition. Following her graduate work, she completed a dietetic internship and opened her private practice, Integrative Wellness Center in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Lisa has experience providing nutritional and wellness counseling to clients in corporate and individual settings. Lisa's integrative and functional nutrition-based practice provides a client-centered approach to optimal health. She helps clients restore their wellness and energy through personalized nutrition, eliminating deficiencies, improving self-care, addressing stress management, and reducing toxin exposures. Her areas of expertise include autoimmunity, digestive disorders, hormonal imbalances, weight loss, and more. Lisa is a member of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, Dietitians for Integrative and Functional Medicine, and is a graduate of Functional Nutrition Alliance Full Body Systems Functional Medicine Program. In our conversation, we discuss the three R's she addresses with her clients when putting them on a path of healing, why hitting your daily protein targets are important, and her thoughts on dairy and animal-based sources of protein, nutritional variability, how much variation you need in your diet, and when to know if you need to switch it up, the connection between blood sugar balance and gut health, what she believes to be the foundation of any healing journey, and it doesn't have to do with food or the physical. The truth about food sensitivities and leaky gut and what you need to know about food sensitivity testing, what she wants people to know, whether they are working with an integrative practitioner or not, and resources you can turn to if going about your wellness solo. Let's head to our chat. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Sarah. Thank you for coming on the Healthified podcast. It's so fun to be on the other side. You recently interviewed me and I am excited to be the one picking your brain this time around. Oh, I am so excited to be here. I love talking with you last time and was really looking forward to being here today. So thank you. Yeah. Um, so for those of you listening, this is Lisa Smith. She's a registered dietitian, certified health and wellness coach, and founder of her private practice, Integrative Wellness Center in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Um, so with that short introduction, Lisa, can you just tell us a little bit more about your story background and how you got to where you are? Yeah, sure. I love to tell this story, Sarah. So my granddad was a surgeon and he specialized. It was a long time ago before there were, you know, very distinct specialties, but he specialized in cancer. Mm. And he didn't, we lived a couple hours away, but we always spent Thanksgiving and Easter holidays with him. And his patients would bring the Thanksgiving turkey every year or the Easter ham. And they would come in. And they would say, your grandfather saved my life or your grandfather saved my wife's life. And we are so thankful for him. And I remember after they would leave, he would just talk with us and he would say, you know, I would so much rather help people prevent this horrible disease rather than try to help them completely heal after. And I remember being really little, Sarah, I'm talking seven, eight. And I asked him, like, you can help people prevent cancer. And he said, yeah, a lot in a lot of cases we can, we can not always, but in a lot. 
And then I was just intrigued. I was hooked from that point on. I was like, how do you do that? And he was so ahead of his time. He was what you would call an integrative physician now, but he was a big deal in the cancer cancer world. He was he was the president of Pennsylvania's Cancer Society for a while. I mean, he was he was it. And wow. but he also, when you were at his home, you saw all his supplements lined up. He ate very specifically. He didn't drink. He was very particular about being healthy. Mm-hmm. And so it's just you know, he. I just thought the world of him. He was my hero. And it got in me, I got the bug young and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. Wow. I'm going to do that. So I didn't quite, that wasn't a straight path. I did lots of things after college and before I opened a private practice, but that was always my target. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that someday. That's what I'm going to do. So that's how I got started. And that's how I ended up getting the education that I felt would serve me the best to then open my practice. Yeah, that's amazing. And so powerful that, um, you know, it's just, I love memories like that, that was just kind of like an instance, but it just ended up kind of weaving the thread of the rest of your life and into your career. And, um, it just makes you think as an adult now and how little minds are so impressionable and, um, you never know what you're, um, impressioning upon, a, a child kind of in that way. So I think that that's so cool. I had chills when you were telling that story, but before we kind of move more into your path, um, I would just be so curious. Cause like you said, that is, seems to be ahead of his time to, um, to counsel patients in that way. So what was it about his story that allowed him to sort of, um, go against the grain, if you will, in that way? Oh, what a good question. No one's ever asked me that. Thank you. He grew up as a young guy with, um, they were, they were very, very short on, on finances. And Mm -hmm. they, he grew up in like in a farming family Mm -hmm. and he wanted to go to medical school and he was just so bright and intuitive that he could see he would, you would go out to eat with him and he'd be like, you would get the pats of butter and he'd be like, that's not butter. That's the, that's lard. I had cows. I churned butter. This is no butter. So he <laughs> just was like, he lived, he knew what it was to live, uh, to fuel your body the right way is that's how we would say it today that you would mm-hmm. never say it, you know, that many decades ago, but he knew how to fuel your body the right way so that you would be healthy for life and that you would have, you would not be inflamed and you would be living these energetic, vibrant, productive, fulfilling lives. So that was just his, that was his thing, you know? Yeah. And I love what you said about him being intuitive because I feel as if the more, of us that are intuitive and really learn how to tap into your intuition, whether that's about your nutrition or career or otherwise, like I feel as if the better off you'll be. So, um, mm-hmm. that, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, moving on, um, we've talked about this on the podcast before, and I'm always just so curious, um, just about your personal experience going down the RD route. Um, and then that of integrative medicine, you know, as, someone who was certified as a holistic health coach. Um, I did come out of my certification program feeling like I wanted more. And I thought that the answer to that question was, um, going the traditional dietetics route and, you know, I I didn't end up doing it and I'm sure it's an amazing, um, training, uh, degree and stuff like that. But I knew that when I went and had a meeting with the head of the department of this dietetics program that it, it wasn't aligned with kind of the work that I wanted to do in the space. And so, um, I would just be so curious about your experience in that. And then what made you kind of diverge and then what skills did you take along with you after that divergence? Yeah. Yeah. I do appreciate that question because I, never saw myself going the registered dietitian route. So that wasn't how I started out. Mm -hmm. The way I started out was when I finally was to the point where I knew I could put this private practice goal in my sights and and attain it was when my kids were really little, Mm -hmm. but my littlest was just starting in kindergarten. And I thought, okay, they're going back to school. So now I'm going to go back to school. 
And I had had a background in sales and pharmaceutical sales. I had had an MBA. I had done that path. And then I decided, what do I really want to do? And I always knew what I really wanted to do. So when my littlest went to full day kindergarten, which was halfway into the year, they transitioned at his school half day into full day. I had already uh, applied and gotten accepted to our local university for a master's in nutrition. Mm. And I thought, I'm just going to get a master's in nutrition and I'm going to open my practice. So I was getting the master's and I was well into it and realized I was taking all these graduate human biology courses. And so I went to the biology department and said, look, I've got a lot toward a master's in biology. And my thinking behind that is because I want to marry where food meets physiology so that I have the complete circle. This is yeah. food. This is the body. This is how we join those. So what would it take to get a master's in biology, human biology? And they were like, oh, not much, you know, and then they told me how much more. And so I came home and said to my husband, great news, I'm going to get a master's in biology too. And he was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> you've got little kids at home, you're in grad school. But anyhow, I did yeah. that. I was all ready to get my, to open my business, Sarah. And I reached out to a very dear friend of mine who's a mentor who had been on the food and nutrition faculty in, in, um, at our university. And I said, Hey, I'm going to do a certified functional medicine online course, just to add a couple more, just kind of like to put the bow on top of mm -hmm. my education. So that when I open my private practice, people say, Oh, she's definitely credible. Yeah. And she said, Lisa, she's a dietitian and she worked in, um, she was a really high, um, executive at Heinz. And so Heinz ketchup and Heinz foods. Oh, wow. She's had amazing experiences all over the world with that corporation. And she said, Lisa, if you really want to do that, you should become a registered dietitian. And I said, no, oh, I don't <laughs> want to do that. And she's like, go talk to the chair, see what you need. That's, that is going to help in our community. The hospital is very prevalent. The university is prevalent. That would really that would really help your credibility. Mm -hmm. So I did that again, much to my husband's dismay, you're, you're going back to school again. And then I, um, it took one more year and I did the, I needed a few courses. I took the internship and that, so I really came, came to the registered dietitian final piece. And that was really an afterthought at the yeah. end. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. cool. And I, and I think I saw that you had done the, um, Speaking of the functional alliance with Andrea Nakayama, is that? Um, yes, I did that. Yeah, yeah I did that. I after. did that too. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, she's she is amazing. She's amazing, and I I love that course. And I need to go back to it because it's just it's one of those things that layers on. And the more you go back to it, the more you're like, oh, oh, I forgot this that piece. But to answer your question, what did I take away? I took away some amazing skills from that training mm -hmm. because the internship was so intense. And so there was clinical, there were clinical rotations, you know, where you spent time in the hospital and you'd spent time in the community. There were so many different things. So it, it helped me mostly from an experiential standpoint mm -hmm. and wonderful connections, you know, at our university and, and relationships built. Um, but then what did I leave? I left I, and I knew I was going into this just like you, I knew what I was going to leave behind. And that was that that allopathic model toward chronic, chronic mm. health problems that, mm -hmm. that, that doesn't get, that doesn't get the results. So, you know, the allopathic model, if I break my arm or if I have an infection, um, an acute infection, infection, then we've got the best in the world. But if we've got a chronic health issue, if we've got IBS, if we've got type two diabetes, if we've got these chronic things, of course that would be integrative, right? Some of those where you would you would pull in the medical model and you pull in the natural health or the root cause resolution, then you get really good results is what I find. Yeah. And, you know, and especially with kind of what you said of getting down to the root of the issue, um, is that something that's kind of more in the traditional, um, space a little bit more, is, is it ever talked about or is it mostly like reactionary, let's put the band-aid over it. Um, like, tell me about that difference there. 
Okay. In the dietetics world, this is really cool. So what, under the Academy of Dietetics, there are different types of dietitians. There are the traditional that really do follow the allopathic route completely. And then there's a, a division called dietitians in integrative and functional medicine. Mm-hmm. And those dietitians are like me. We're all root cause oriented, you know, that we need to, I love to tell my clients, you know, if you come to me or any practitioner, it doesn't matter who they are and what they're practicing, almost anyone can help you figure out some plans to get rid of your, your, your symptoms. Mm-hmm. But it's just like if what you have going on is a weed in your garden, yeah, we can pull the top off. We can cut the top off that weed. But if we never address those roots, that weed and those symptoms are coming back bigger and stronger and they're bringing more. Mm. So our goal is to really dig down and find the roots and address them. And then the symptoms will take care of themselves. So, yeah. So I I would be curious to kind of hear more about, um, some examples of common issues that you see, or they don't even have to be common. And then some of those root issues that are contributing to Mm, those issues. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to share those. So a lot of the, a lot of what I see, I can just paint my, you know, a very typical person who comes to see me, they have just these ongoing symptoms that they just can't seem to get a hold of things like extreme fatigue, often digestive symptoms, often like IBS ish symptoms. They could be chronic bloating, gas, diarrhea, or constipation, or, you know, altering, alternating joint pain, um, brain fog just doesn't, they, they just feel, I had someone recently say, I used to just feel like trash all the time. And I I was so tired of it. But every time I went to the doctor and they ran tests, they would say I was fine. There's nothing wrong with me, but I'm telling you there's something wrong with me. And so that's the person that usually walks through my door. They've, they've exhausted everything they know to do. They've been to all the different physicians and specialists. They've tried different things on their own and they're just at their wits end. And when they come in, uh, I like to say we do the three R's. What do you, what do we need to remove? That's causing you personally, these problems. What do we need to replace that you're deficient in? And what else do we need to do to restore you back to good health? And that's going to be very, very specific to that person. So that's, that's what we do. And I find, and you and I have so much in common here, Sarah, but I find that this first step always is fueling the body, right? Yeah. Um, Yep. And what I mean by that is First step is blood sugar balance, 100%. Um, and that goes very closely then with gut healing. But you got to get that body fueled right because you'll never overcome the brain fog and the fatigue and the cravings and the bloating until we get that piece in first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I always start with. So with diet, I'm, I imagine that when um, a client comes to see you, one of the first things that you do is really go over and analyze what they're eating on a day-to-day basis. So um, I I would be curious to kind of hear what is an example daily menu, if you will, of someone who it's pretty easy to pinpoint the, the culprits to remove. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do you kind of get them to make those changes and shifts? Yeah, sure. So pretty classic dietary assessment would look like, well, for breakfast, I might have coffee. um, And if I eat anything, it's like one of those biscuit, like Belveda biscuit things, or it's a pop tart, or it's a bagel, Mm. maybe a ball cereal. And then Mm -hmm. I run out the door because I'm always, this is this person because I, because I'm always in a hurry. And then for lunch, well, because I work, I'll just grab something quick, like add a sheets or add a, you know, quick, a quick stop. I'll grab mm. like a sub or a sandwich or, you know, just something to kind of get me through till I get home. And then at home, you know, we could have anything we could have, you know, meat and potatoes. We could have, um, pizza. We have pizza every Friday and, or we have lots of pasta, 
I like my rice and my potatoes and mm-hmm. um, lots of casseroles. So that would be a classic of, I look at and go, oh, great. This is, this one's going to be like, I can really help you right out of the gate. You're yeah. A lot start, of low, low hanging fruit there. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to start feeling better in less than a week. Yeah. <laughs> and then I find by the time people do come to me, um, they, they are so desperate for answers that they are like, I'm, I'm willing to do it. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. Uh-huh. And so from, I've been really fortunate that I haven't found compliance to be an issue. I also am very mindful of meeting people where they are. Yeah. So I always say I'm partnering with you. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what will help you the most. And let's figure out what's going to work exactly for you. Um, I got a great story. A lady came to see me um, a year ago, MJ, we'll call her MJ. And mm-hmm. she, she sends my office an email and it says, uh, I'm a retired professor. I have been overweight all my life and I'm pretty much 40 to 50 pounds overweight all my life. And I yo-yo back and forth and I'm exhausted and I have brain fog and I feel terrible. I'm 72 years old. I want to come see you because I've heard really good things about you. But if you tell me I need to eat fish and broccoli, I'm not coming. Mm. <laughs> and I wrote back <laughs> Guess what? It is your lucky day because I will never tell you, you have to eat fish or broccoli. And she she emails back, tell me when I can come in. And so she came in and I taught her, you know, the lifestyle changes that would work within her preferences and within her life, which is what we always do. You do it too. It's what works with, for that person. Uh She just dropped the weight over the months. She dropped it all, every bit of it. And then she has now become my biggest cheerleader. She has oh. said, I wish I found you 50 years ago. I, she got through Christmas. She got through Thanksgiving. She's like, I know what I'm doing. I finally know what I'm doing. And it so, works for me because I get to eat what I like still, you know? Yeah. So what were some of those other lifestyle changes that you encouraged her to make outside the realm of fish and broccoli? Yeah. So the big things were I helped her to balance that blood sugar. So I helped her to figure out these are breakfast options for mm-hmm. you. These are lunch options for you. These are dinner options for you. I'm not going to do a meal plan for you because it's too rigid. But what right. I am going to do is I'm going to give you lots of options to choose for, so, choose from. So you check those out and then you put those in place. And, and they, these are snack options for you. And here's what you need to do to hydrate. And let's make sure you're moving your body every day. And, you know, just some of those key things you know, yeah. getting sunshine and within no kidding within the first month, she reached back out to me and she said, my husband wonders who I am and what he's got, what I've done with his wife. She said, I'm cleaning the attic. I'm cleaning the garage. I've got more en- like energy than the energizer bunny. She just was, and it was just all a matter of helping her body to get what it needed from me. Yeah. Yeah. And then we um, replaced a couple deficiencies with mm-hmm. a couple of very basic supplements and, um, yeah, she's been doing really well. So I'm sure people are wondering when you say kind of, these are your breakfast and lunch options. I know that, you know, sometimes I, I walk the fine line. I don't ever want to tell anyone what to eat or what not to eat or how much to eat, et cetera. But I do think I, I love kind of learning about the different actually types of meals, especially as a young mom being like, give me ideas, please. So I would love to know what some of those breakfast and lunch options were that you, um, you advised her about. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Well, first of all, uh, I always share with people that the ideal amount of protein, let's just start with the big rocks in the jar and the big rocks in the jars get the protein in first. Mm. So the ideal amount is 20 to 30 grams per meal, which if we start with lunch and dinner, that's really simple. It's the size of a deck of cards, no matter what kind of protein you're eating, as long as it's either an animal protein or tofu, that's going to get you right where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And, and then I always say, if it's a vegetarian, let's talk like if I'm speaking in public or something, I'll say, now, if I'm talking to some vegetarians, let's talk afterward, because that gets a little bit more complicated and it requires more of a conversation than, than a quick overview. Yeah. But when it comes to, you know, the main person who eats, yeah, I eat some chicken, I eat some red meat, I eat some turkey, I eat some pork, whatever fish. Um, you know, it's about four ounces, but I always say, rather than counting, just look at your palm. It's about the size of your palm. It's about the size of a deck of cards. So that will get you through dinner 
and then you make extra for dinner and you make that your lunch. And even if you're someone who's on the move, I like to say, grab like an almond flour wrap. And if you had chicken the night before, just shred that much, put it in the wrap and eat it on the go, you know, just, just make it easy for yourself. We're all so busy. None of us wants to be making three meals a day. So make enough for dinner that'll last you for a while. And then for breakfast, it really depends on the person, but say that they are, you know, they're totally open to eating anything. They're good with dairy. They're good with eggs. Then to get to that 20 to 30 gram point, I'll say it's three eggs or two eggs and cheese or three quarters of a cup to a cup of cottage cheese, or you can make a quiche or egg muffins. Like there's so many varieties. And if people don't like any of those things, then, then, uh, I always say, you know, a good quality protein powder is a good option and that those are few and far between. And then I guide Mm -hmm. them on how to find one. And then my favorite happens to be something very dear to your heart. I love your gratified bars and you know, thank you. You're welcome. So I do recommend those as well that people, you, when you, when they were, when people could buy them prepackaged, I even sold them at my, at my office, but Uh, I share that that that's a great way to get protein at breakfast. And I add an extra egg and I add some hemp parts and some nuts into mine. Um, So that's another thing that I love for breakfast and I love for a snack, or they could do a gratified bar and like an Applegate Farms turkey sausage patty or something. Mm -hmm. So those are, those are any combination of any of those things. And I always tell people, Get to know hemp parts because hemp parts, if you get three tablespoons, you have now just added 10 grams to whatever you're eating. Yes. Super. And there are raw hemp parts in the Empower Bar Baking Mix. Oh, I love that. I don't yeah. think I read that, but I add extra. You know? Oh, there you go. I can dump extras in. But yeah. <laughs> so I do love your baking mix for breakfast too. Does that help give some ideas? That's what I usually that's my kind of quick overview of, okay, here's how we get that done and we get it done efficiently. Yeah, no, that's, that's so helpful and insightful. And I would love to even go a little bit further down that rabbit hole because you mentioned dairy, mm-hmm. um, and you talked, you know, animal protein. Um, and I'm a big fan of both, you know, I will I'll full, um, disclosure. I was not eating dairy for like 10 years because of kind of the, the idea of it being inflammatory. Um, and especially, you know, I've had rosacea, you know, for as long as I can remember. And I was, you know, trying to kind of calm down my skin. And that was the advice that I had gotten, um, to get off of dairy. So, um, you know, and I think it's like these, they're not even that nuanced, but when it comes to the confusion in the nutrition world, a lot of it centers around protein. Um, and then a lot of it centers around inflammatory foods. So, when it comes to protein specifically, you know, are we, I've heard different things, having it, having an animal protein for each meal, is that something that we should be doing? Or, um, is it more about moderation with the animal protein? I would just love your thoughts on that. Mm, You know, it is, it, it, that is finally, I, I could see where it's finally nuanced because I, I think we got we have to go back to bio-individuality for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think some people absolutely thrive on that. You know, that's just what they do best on. They yeah. You know, have you ever heard of um Eat Right for Your Type? It's a book and it talks about blood typing. Blood type. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That author and people who swear by his his theories say that, you know, certain foods are better than others. So someone who's like a type O thrives on animal protein and a type A doesn't do as well on it. Right. Um, but do I do that? I don't in practice. I kind of keep it in the back of my mind because I just, I don't even worry about the blood type piece, but some people thrive on animal protein. And some people are like, oh, it's just so hard for me. It's hard to digest. It's hard for me to get it down. So I would go person by person. And, and I love like for me, for balance, I typically will do animal protein for lunch and dinner. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for breakfast, it depends. I don't do eggs very often. I mean, I'll do them maybe once a week. It's not, it's not that it's not like I don't do them, but it's not daily or four times a week. And again, that's just my personal preference. It's not, I don't think that would be right. 
you know, for the next guy or next lady down the road. It's just, that's what works. I think, I think it goes back to what we started with that The intuition is so important. Yeah. So if someone says, I feel really good when I eat this way, then keep eating that way. That your, your body will tell you what's working for it and what's not. And then right. someone else says, Oh, you know what? Eggs after so many days start to upset my stomach. Pay attention to that because your body knows. Yeah. You know? And how important is like nutritional variation? Because I am someone who I get in these kicks and I can eat the same thing for breakfast and lunch every single day. And, you know, if like at one point, maybe I'll talk about my stomach hurts or something or blah, blah, blah. My, you know, my husband's like, well, you're not varying your, the foods that you're eating, you're eating the same thing every day. And he always just like, brings it back to that. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that because I mean, sometimes I'm like, I don't have the brain power to think about the variability and, you know, I love that. Especially as a young mom and business owner. And I don't know why you don't have any extra. (laughs) Those kind of of fill all the gaps. Well, let's make sure he's not listening for me to answer this. (laughs) He doesn't listen. Okay. I've right. sent him like multiple episodes and, you know, and he's like, oh yeah, I'll get to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, my husband, the same, but, um, the, the variety is very important, but it's not like the, it's not like your body, your body's crazy resilient. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. ideally we want the variety for a bunch of reasons. One is because we don't want to de- develop food sensitivities. So if we eat the same thing all the time and we have some leaky gut, which most people have some degree of leaky gut, we can tend to develop food sensitivities around those foods we eat over and over. So and why is that? Oh, there's that's a great question. So if you picture leaky gut, you picture your digestive tract, like from your mouth to, to your exit chute, right? So yep. everything uh-huh. out to your butt, that is all just picture it as one hose. And that hose is not supposed to just like your garden hose. It's not supposed to have little pinpricks in it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, if you had your garden hose out and some bratty little neighbor kid came and put little pinpricks all through your hose, you turned your hose on and now it's springing leaks everywhere. Right. That's how you can kind of picture leaky gut. It's, it's more in your small intestine, but if you picture it that way, what happens is these cells that are supposed to be so tightly together, they actually develop these little tiny pinpricks. Uh And so they start to let things out. Nothing's supposed to get out of that hose until it's broken down and your body and it diffuses across the layers, right? It's not supposed to just sneak out when it's still not broken down. Uh But what happens with those pinpricks is that those food particles, not they would be microscopic. We still wouldn't see them, but they get out into your bloodstream before they're broken down properly. Uh-huh. And then your immune system says, oh my gosh, this is the same as a, as a virus or a bacteria or something that's foreign. And so your immune system makes an army or antibodies against those food particles. Mm. So now when you eat them, you're getting an immune response and that's what a food sensitivity is. So how does a food sensitivity develop with just the overconsumption of a food? Is it just because it's just all invasive or? Good question. Um, yeah. So what happens is if that say someone overly consumes chicken, that's an uh-huh. easy one. A lot of us do. Oh, I do that. Me too. We all do. <laughs> we have to just get our groove going, but say, say that's all, you know, they eat that every single day and that they have leaky gut. So think about when it's springing a leak, what's it keep springing? It keeps springing chicken that hasn't broken, been broken down enough to be mm. in, its, in its proper molecule size. Uh-huh. So now the immune system is literally making a very tailored army to chicken. Got it. Okay. Because, that's so good to know. Yeah. The immune system makes these armies that are very specific. That's why the flu shot is what it is, right? So that your, your body is making an army against those strains. If someone gets the flu shot, um, the same with, if you, you know, you get the chicken pox and then you don't get them again, it's because your army made a specific, your body made a specific army against that particular thing. It's exactly Mm. for that. So that's what happens with food. It's exactly for the chicken. Uh-huh. And so then like, when you eat it, you'll have a response then. 
Okay. Okay. So let's say that I eat chicken for lunch every single day, but then something in my intuition right at this moment is telling me that I need to switch it up. Um, So is that something as easy as like maybe instead of chicken for lunch, I'm having salmon? Yeah. Okay. That easy. Or if you like, I'll tell you what my go-to is and half half the listeners, you guys are going to be like, no, but the (laughs) easiest, fastest thing that is really healthy and safe is something like, like like boneless sardines. Like uh-huh. I know you, like you either love them or hate them, but they're fast. They're easy. Something like that's a really good switch up. Uh, if you don't do eggs a lot, maybe like two hard boiled eggs and a slice of cheese. That's a great switch up. Just something to switch it up a little bit, get a little bit of variety. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I actually do like sardines. I was eating them a lot before I got pregnant two years ago. And then I got pregnant and that was just, I couldn't even have them in my eyesight. So <laughs> I, I need to, I need to re-up that habit, but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Reminder. Pregnancy does some crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. It was so weird before pregnancy. I was a fish person and I didn't like a lot of chicken at all. And then after pregnancy, I am a chicken person and I don't like a lot of fish. So it's so bizarre to me. It is bizarre. I know. And I've had similar things myself and it's just like, how can I hate that? I love uh-huh. that. I know it's, I hated salads when I was pregnant. Now, before that for years, I ate salads all the time. Yeah. Now now I'm hit and miss with them. It's not that I don't like them, but it's not like it used to be. Right. I know. I remember my second trimester, the first time I actually, um, had a craving for like vegetables. It was like the best day because (laughs) it was all like crackers and hummus for three months. And I, um, I know. Yeah. It's so weird. Your body's like, you're like, what is going on with this body? Yeah. It's well, and I think that that really highlights the fact that so much of it is hormonal, you mm-hmm. know, from our appetite to our cravings. And, um, you know, you mentioned blood sugar balance and digestive health. I would love for you to explain a little bit more about how those two are intertwined. Oh, yeah. And I just, as I look at blood sugar balance, I look at that. If the body's, all the hormones in the body are a symphony, blood sugar balance is the melody. It's Mm -hmm. the melody. And if the melody's off, everything's off. Mm -hmm. So that for me is always key. Number one, Um, actually, if I took a step back, I would say mindset is the very first step. Just Mm. the awareness that this is a journey. This is not a quick fix. And this journey will get you to the destination you want to go to as long as you're patient and consistent. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Step one is, is that just that, that awareness and that knowledge. And then after that is blood sugar. Got to get that thing balanced. And once that's balanced, people then start to see their pain starts to diminish. Their cravings start to go away. Their weight starts to come down. Their inflammation comes down. So you start to see this progress and then people get really excited and they're like, Hey, this is actually working first time. Like something, I really feel like it's the right thing. And so I always start with those two. And then I look at what's left in the symptoms. Like, did this resolve everything or are there other things going on? And then Mm -hmm. if so, then I start looking deep dive into that gut health of, you know, are there food sensitivities that just seem to be sabotaging your efforts? Uh, Are there other things going on with your gut? Is there leaky gut? And then there are all other, you know, different, is your microbiome unbalanced? Is there too much, you know, bad versus good in terms of bacteria ratio? Um, And then at that point, I don't, I don't out of the gate, a lot of functional medicine practitioners uh, will they'll order lots of functional medicine tests right away. Mm -hmm. I don't do that. I wait on that because first of all, I don't want to kind of spend my client's money on all that because I want to first say when we get rid of, as you said, the low hanging fruit, when we get that taken care of, your whole system is going to look different. So why would we test before that? We got to first wait till we get that system balanced. Then if we still need to test, then we look at, Oh, okay. Do we need to do microbiome testing? Do we need to do food sensitivity testing? How about hormonal testing? How about, you know, any other number of things out there, but we first, it kind of clears the muddy water. Once I see, okay, you're fueling well, your energy is getting better. Your brain fog's going away. Now it's left. And then Mm -hmm. that's when I look at 
a deeper dive into digestion. So speaking of food sensitivity testing, um, I, through a wellness center here, got, I think it's called the Alcat food sensitivity test. And it was like for 250 different foods, Um, you know, and it's one of those things where it's like severe, moderate or minimal um, reactions to certain foods. And I only had one severe, but then the moderate was like down the rest of the page. And so it's like how how closely if someone is listening and they've done this for themselves or they're interested in doing this for themselves, like how closely should we be tailoring our diet to those things? I mean, like avocado was on mine. Like I eat avocado every single day, you know, should I not eat avocado? So it's just like one of, it's just like how reliant, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And how much should I adhere to it? Great question. So when I started my business, so I've been in practice for five years. And when I started, I've used different food sensitivity tests along the way. Uh-huh. And um, for the past two years, I've been using one called an MRT. It's mediator release test. Uh-huh. It's by far my favorite because I find it to be the most reliable. So that one I stick with pretty closely. And what that does My favorite thing about this one, Sarah, is first of all, I had to like take this. It was almost like the equivalent of a college course just to get certified. I couldn't just all the other ones. I could just order them and get the results. This one, I had to become certified to be actually able to counsel people on it. Wow. Yeah. And and I what I like about that is just the just how strongly um, they feel that someone has to be trained to really be able to counsel people then so that they they give them the right advice. But what I love about the MRT is it not only shows you what you can't have, it shows you what you do really well with. And then you design a plan, a protocol around those foods that a person's body is doing great with. And then you begin to heal the gut. So by the time we, we would order a food sensitivity test, I know there's something going on. I would never be like, Hey, let's just see if you have food sensitivities. I already know. Cause we've already cleared so much stuff. Right. So now we're looking, I'm like, no, you've got classic symptoms. So let's go ahead and figure it out and get you, get you going on the right track with, from that standpoint. So it, so what we'll focus on is all the, the safe foods. And we'll just do the first two weeks of only safe foods. Then I'll do a gut healing plan for them. And then we very slowly begin to liberate that diet and add more foods. It goes in a scale. So then we add the next safest foods until those are tolerated. And then we just keep going. Um, And then some of them that are the worst. So it isn't kind of like three, it's green, yellow, red, and then their numbers attached to each of them. So, you know, how severe they are within each. Uh-huh. And then some of them, like some reds, someone might not go back to like someone like me. I'm, I can't ever, I'm not celiac, but I'm highly sensitive to gluten. I, I can't ever go back to it. I know that just based uh-huh. on my reactions, but we get their diet, people's diet as liberated as possible. So that's like, okay, if I have to do without a couple of things, it's great, but I'm not I'm not super restrictive anymore. And now I, and now I feel well, you know, Uh now I feel like I know what I can eat. So the good news is once you start healing that leaky gut, you can start adding back things. And that's when it gets really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of gluten, I mean, cause on my food sensitivity test, um, and I'm sure, you know, other people could, um, have the same question. It showed no reaction to gluten. Um, I had not been eating gluten for again, like 10 years. Is it because I wasn't eating it that I didn't see a response to that? Um, because you know, from what I've heard and learned is that gluten, um, a sticky protein can be very pro-inflammatory. So human beings just have a really hard time digesting it. And majority of the time we're better off removing it from our diet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and after kind of seeing that, I was just like a little shell shocked of not to say that, I mean, and this is where my head was kind of going against my intuition because I was like, I know I feel better when I don't eat it, but then there's part of me that's like, you know, the little devil on my shoulder. That's mm-hmm. like, it's not actually, you know, non-nutritious for you. So, um, 
you know, cause I think with these food sensitivities, especially with the big ones like gluten and dairy, it's like, well, you're, you're not going to show a reaction if you don't have the like molecules, if you will, in your bloodstream. So I would, I would just be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Sure. Yeah. So there are, there are five different antibodies that we produce one uh-huh. GE, IgG, IgA, IgM. Uh, and those those all kind of do something different. So if you are celiac, that's IgE. So, Mm -hmm. so I'm not sure which I am going to guess the ALCAT is likely IgG. IgG. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So IgG is just keep in mind one of five antibodies. So it's only testing for IgG where, so it's not going to test. So say, say you were celiac, it wouldn't show that. Isn't that crazy? So the out huh. like the IgG won't show that you have a gluten problem if you're truly celiac because it's a different kind of an antibody. Oh, and here's the I know it really is. And here's the other thing: the MRT doesn't test those antibodies. It actually tests. Um, it uses the blood, and then it tests a reaction within the blood to all. It does 170 different foods or compounds, and so it shows a different inflammatory marker yet still than the IgG or any of the, you know, Igs. So it just depends on the test. So for an IgG, you're right. If you haven't had it for 10 years, then you're not showing that IgG in your, in, in your test results. Mm. So it could be one of two things. It could be that like, if we tested you with the MRT, it might still show gluten. Because it's not, it's not, it's not based as much on when you had it last. And the other thing to keep in mind is if you, and I'm guessing you have been tested for celiac, but if you hadn't been, that still doesn't rule out celiac. Got it. Okay. That's so fascinating. Yeah. It's so complicated. Yeah, it really is. And just like how the general population, you know, we just don't know this stuff. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Like you don't, we, we don't know until we know until someone says, Oh, look, this is how that breaks down. Yeah. So, you know, I think work being able to work with a practitioner as yourself would be such a gift. Um, I know that so many people out there might not have access to being able to work with someone like yourself. So I would be curious to kind of hear, um, what advice you would have for someone who, you know, they're not feeling quote unquote, well, they feel as if there is, um, things that they can do or not do in order to feel a better version of themselves. What would you tell somebody, um, who might not be able to work with an integrative practitioner to like, where can someone start if they just, you know, they want to make changes, but they're kind of at this point having to do things by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I try to really, I really do try to put a lot out. And before we, we say goodbye, I'll give you, you know, just how to get in contact with me, but I try to put on Instagram. I have a podcast like you, as we know that we really try to give a lot of free information to say, listen, if you're doing this on your own, here are some great guidelines to go Mm. here. Quick and easy. These can get you started. It's better than, than, you know, just being stuck. So the first thing I always do is get that blood sugar balanced, right? So get that 20 to 30 grams. The average adult gets less than 10 grams of protein at breakfast. And that sets them up all day for just fatigue, cravings, blood sugar, roller coaster, joint pain, like the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. So first get the blood sugar balanced with the 20 to 30 grams of protein per day and, and then ditch processed foods and replace them with real food with things like real animal protein or, or vegetable protein. If, if someone's a vegetarian, but, and then real vegetables, real fruit, real grains that you tolerate, you know, brown rice, quinoa, starchy vegetables, just get real food on there. That's the first thing because that goes so far in someone's health journey, that is these little tiny pieces make a huge difference. And then I would say if if someone were saying, you know, I still got like IBS symptoms, I see boiled down to two things, food sensitivities and SIBO, which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. But, um, just to, just to, in layman's terms, it just means that the, the microbiome has an imbalance in certain places, Mm. 
Yeah. So I would say the next step is start to keep a food journal and write down like a food symptom journal. This is what I ate uh, every day. Um, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. This is what I'm drinking. This is what I'm experiencing symptoms wise, because this is a key takeaway today. So anyone who's not listening, come on back. Cause this one's really important. Food sensitivities can take up to three days to show symptoms. Wow. So say I'm, say I'm symptomatic to garlic and I ate it two days ago. I could still react today or tomorrow to that garlic. And how would I ever know that? Wow. Unless I was writing it down. Yeah. Cause so many people associate that immediate, like, you know, if you eat something and then an hour later, you're uncomfortably bloated. So it's like, Maybe. that's crazy. Yeah. It's the three day thing that throws us all off. So then if you keep this food journal and you start to look at patterns, you can say, oh my gosh, every time I have garlic within a day to three days, I'm starting to get all those symptoms again. Now you're starting to do the detective work if you're on your own and you you don't have access to testing or a practitioner that would be my next best thing like just start writing it down and then try to go without it a lot of times gluten is the culprit because so much gluten also has roundup in it mm. you know so many of our grains the way that they are after they're harvested the way they stop the harvest is they spray it with roundup so oh my gosh, oats are high in roundup. So organic oats, big, that's really important. Organic oats are important. Um, wheat can be high in it. Chickpeas are high in roundup. So those are some things you want to go organic because it might not actually be the food causing the problem. It might actually be the glyphosate, the chemical that we're eating in our food. Oh, I know scary stuff. I know. But, um, even those just tips on going organic is so helpful. Yeah, just, and it doesn't have to be everything, but definitely oats, definitely chickpeas. Um, do you, are you familiar with the dirty dozen clean 15? Uh -huh. Yeah, that's something that would be great for everyone to know about that, just to look that up. And what that is guys is that um, the dirty dozen is um, environmental working group researches our produce every year. And they find the ones that are the least likely that we can get the pesticides off and we're, we're eating them. They're called the dirty dozen. So if you just Google that dirty dozen clean 15, you can get that list. And that just means on the dirty dozen by organic, the clean 15, not as necessary. Yeah. And I'll include that in the show notes too. And, um, you know, and I still use that as a guide weekly because, you know, sometimes I'm just, in, especially with rising food costs and stuff, you're like, well, do I need to get organic avocados? Um, probably not since the, you know, the skin is so tough and yeah. Things, and things like that. It can just be a really good hack. It's a great hack, great money saver. Cause if you're like, okay, you know what? Peppers are this expensive this month, this week. And, um, I don't want to spend the extra for organic. So maybe I'll just get something different next week like this yeah. week and get them when they go on sale or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Well, gosh, I could talk to you for another hour. Um, um I and, uh, this is so much fun. So much fun. And I only have a few more questions. Um, but before I kind of ask my final questions, can, how about you just tell people where they can find you? Oh, sure. Such an amazing resource. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So my website is integrative, I N T E G R A T I V E. WC. So integrative WC.com. And that's for integrative wellness center. And my email is Lisa at integrative WC.com. And then of course, Instagram that's, I put stuff out there all the time. So um, I have a few Instagram accounts. One is integrative wellness, Indiana PA, all one word. So integrative wellness, Indiana PA, and then I have a second one, secondary one, brand new called Lisa Smith wellness, all one word, Lisa Smith wellness. And then our podcast is pretty well underscore podcast. Love that. And I will include all of those in the show notes as well. Thank you. I so appreciate that. Yeah. Um, because I love hearing about morning routines, I would love to hear about what your morning routine is these days. I wish it were better. <laughs> I wish it sounded really good. <laughs> no, but even, even morning routines like this 
people like to hear because there's no perfection and we're not all meditating yogis drinking green juice. So I, I think it's great okay. to Okay. So I've tripped for, so for 2023, I've never done a word of the year before Sarah, but this year I have its margin because I have been notoriously horrible at margin all my life. I'm terrible at it. So this is the year I'm going to find it. I'm going to make myself find it. But so I have been getting up in the morning. And so wait, what's margin? Just margin, just white space in my Oh, I love that. Just to get some because cre- my creativity, and I guess all of us, this is just normal to life. When when I'm too booked out, I'm too busy, which has been all the time for the past five years, um, I there's no room for creativity. Yes. No room to breathe. There's no room to enjoy my family. I have a kid still in high school and I want to, I want to enjoy that. I want to be present. So that's my word this year. It's love it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm working. Um, January was not pretty. So February is going to look much better. (laughs) There you go. Just tweaking at it. That's, that's right. One step at a time, but I do, I get up and I do, um, I, I work out some days a week, but not every day. Um, just, I, I have a couple days that are totally dialed in. And other than that, it's like hit and miss. And then, um, you can hear my clock gonging. (laughs) Um, then after that, I do, I have been trying to get a quiet time, even if it's literally five minutes where I'll read, read scripture. Um, I'll take some, a few minutes to think about my day and visualize how do I want this day to go? So if I'm seeing six clients, what do I want for those clients? Well, I want them to find healing. I want them to find health. I want them to find what they need when they come to see me. So I, I, I go through that and visualize that. And what do I, what's the rest of my day? What do I want that to look like? So I do that. And then, um, I have been the plumber whose pipes have been leaking where I'd run out the door, grab a handful of nuts and hit a full day and not fuel properly. And Mm -hmm. so this, this year I have said no more. So I, I do have uh, a protein drink that I, that I like, I'm not typically a big protein drink fan, but Mm -hmm. it's one that I actually like. Okay. And it's healthy. So I've been doing that with organic oat milk. Or I'll make a batch of your gratified bars, or I'll make a batch of almond flour muffins from scratch that I'll put protein in. Mm-hmm. So I'll do something like that on the way out the door. Then, um, then I'm out, then I'm out and hit the ground running, head to my office, see my clients, or I start my podcasting or whatever that is on, you know, on for that day. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And Thanks. I think the, especially the power of visualization, um, can be such um such a powerful thing to do at the start of each day and just kind of makes you feel a little bit more a co-creator in your experience rather than just default living mode if you will for sure for sure and i have found that the more i do it the more first the more natural it becomes and second the more my day goes better yeah it's the law of attraction yeah, it, it's, it works. It works just to be putting it out there and saying, you know what, I am going to, this is, this is what I want for these people today. And this is how I'm going to show up for these people today. Then it's all, it's so much more intentional. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah so that's what I do. Um, yeah. So my final question would be, um, if you were on a stage and you could communicate your message to your audience in one to three sentences, what would you want them to hear? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I would boil it down. It, it, it is when I'm on a stage, pretty much what I start with and end with, and that is radical life-changing health transformation comes by small, consistent steps. Ooh. That's the first part. And it's true. I mean, it's not the big things. It's the tortoise always wins over the hair because the tortoise keeps going. Yes. So I love to say, and, and fueling your body and prop and healing your gut are always first. Um, but I, I love to say, you know, there, there is no way to fail. There's no way to fail right. as long as you don't quit. Mm-hmm. No way. Mm-hmm. So if you know, going into something, you can't fail. Why wouldn't like, why wouldn't you, you yeah. know, wouldn't you try? Yeah. Uh, it's funny that you say that because literally there are like three things that I find myself telling myself almost every day. And, um, you know, whether it's your health journey or your 
career, business life, what have you as an entrepreneur. And it's, it's that it's, you know, you can't fail on, um, unless you quit and then it's slow and steady wins the race. Um, and then <laughs> yeah. how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? <laughs> oh my God. You and I, I actually have chills because you and I are obviously completely aligned with each other because that's it. Those, yeah. those, you just paraphrase the same thing. I mean, those are the things, those are the things that I've seen work time and time again. And when someone finally goes, oh my gosh, I don't have to count calories. I don't have to go low fat. I don't have to go low sugar. I just need to do these small, consistent steps that are going to help my body. And I actually start to see these radical life changes for the good. Yeah. It's so much easier. It's so much easier than people think. Yeah, exactly. Um, Baby steps. Baby steps. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, on that, Lisa, I will end this conversation. It has been amazing. I'll have to have you back on because there's still so many things I would love to talk to you about. So you'll just have to have um, a standing healthified episode each season. I love it. I can't wait. <laughs> I, I would love to come back and I love talking with you. Yeah, same. Um, well, thank you again. And um, I know we'll connect soon. Okay. Thanks, Sarah. We'll see you. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthified podcast and hope you enjoyed this episode. If it resonated with you, please share it with a friend or rate and review the podcast, which helps us share the health with more people. For further learning, be sure to check out the linked resources in the show notes and you can connect with us on Instagram at Healthified and at Gratified. Until next time.